The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Yo, what's up, man? Coolin', man. Chillin', chillin'. Yo, you know I had to call. And you know why, right? Why? Because. Yo, I never ever call and ask you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Kenny Williams episode. Red Ninja again? Oh, yeah, again and again. Smoking Joe Fraser, the Hellraiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. So all tick-tock and keep ticking. Well, I get you flipping off the shit I'm kicking. The Lone Ranger, co-ed, danger. Deep in the dark with the art to rip the charts apart. The vandal, too hot to handle your battle. You're saying goodbye like Devin Campbell. Rock neck, inspect the decks on the set. The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal. The way I make the crowd go wild. Sit back, relax. Smile. Ray got it going on, pal. Call me the rap assassinator. Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger. And I'ma get mad deep like a threat. Blow up your project, then take all your assets. Cause I came to shake the frame in half with the thoughts that bomb. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whenever and wherever you're listening, my name is Officer Y, and this is the 109 Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whenever and wherever you're listening, my name is Officer Y, and this is the 109 Podcast. Do you get it? All right, if it went over your head, don't worry about it. But if you got it, cool. If you got it, though, I can't take credit for that one. I mean, it was basically the cop version of a dad joke, but it was told to me by one of my favorite officers at my department uh, that just got promoted and uh, found out that he's listening to my podcast. He made the joke. Um, Well, at least he did listen. I don't know if he's still listening, but if he is, then he now knows that I said that joke, so that was for him. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show today. My guest today is Sergeant Kenny Williams from Indiana, a.k.a. The Red Ninja. Kenny is an instructor with Street Cop Training, and he teaches the course The Interdiction Mastermind. So, if you have ever thought or hoped to catch like a drug mule or you know something like that this is the episode for you so just stay tuned but please keep in mind this is uh some pretty you know classified opsec if you want to call it that way privileged information so uh what i want to preface with and this is the same thing with with whether it's kenny dennis even like nick santos or you know a lot of us when we talk about training and if you know if we get more trainers in the future is that this stuff you know it, the interviews are to get you interested in what they have to offer and we'll talk a little bit about what they do and how they do it but we don't go all the way in depth because frankly we can't for multiple reasons you know we, we don't want bad guys to hear what we're saying because this is a public podcast um obviously they're selling their training so i don't want to take their you know what they're doing away from them but i am happy to provide you guys with the introduction to these great opportunities these are trainings these are trainers that are out there that just want to make cops better so that's why kenny's on the show today aside from the fact that he's just a great guy altogether so before we dive into the conversation i'm going to talk about something some other stuff first and um speaking of first we're going to talk about the first amendment so vic di on sunday this past sunday released a video 
uh, from his ticked off Vic segment. Um, and it's really echoing my thoughts and actually what he said kind of triggered these not to steal what he's uh, talking about, but it, we, we are very much in line especially with everything going on in the world these days. So I suggest you go check that out. It's on his Instagram from Sunday the 10th, ticked off Vic, and he's talking about the First Amendment. But for now, I'm going to touch on it with my two cents. So this is what the First Amendment says, okay? I got this definition from Cornell Law School, their Legal Information Institute. It's free, okay? So you can punch this in, and you can see that I'm reading it verbatim. Amendment 1. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So absolutely nowhere in that paragraph, in that amendment, does it say a multi-billion dollar social media or mainstream media conglomerate shall not da 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 the point of me reading this is to explain is to kind of highlight the fact that the amendments the bill of rights are focused on the government they're not dealing with the media does it suck that companies like twitter google cnn facebook whatever and beyond are blocking and banning content that they don't like absolutely but is it illegal no so we are all or most of us at least are cops so the equivalency that I can make is that it's like you're responding to a business because there's a guy in a Chick-fil-A screaming, Popeye's is better. And now the business is allowed to kick that person out and to ban them from returning. And it's not violating that man's freedom of speech. And when he gets arrested for not leaving, he's not arrested for saying those things. Very similar to the mask debate. And Officer Smith and I talked about it a few weeks ago where you can wear a mask or you can refuse to wear a mask. And if the company doesn't want you in their business not wearing a mask, they can call you, the police, to remove that person. That is the, that's the company's right to remove you from the property. It all goes in the same vein. And I saw something today uh, talking about, okay, then businesses should be allowed to stay open. That's a different debate. I'm not touching that one. You know, I took a couple political science classes. I uh, actually technically is my major now, but I'm not actively pursuing it. The idea of the media is to be a buffer, okay, to the government. The The media is supposed to be an extension of the people to keep the politicians honest and serving to us. Obviously, we're not there. The question that we need to ask ourselves and what we really need to figure out is how Are these corporations, Viacom, CNN, Fox, Facebook, Amazon, how did they get so rich and powerful? How are they so influential to how we live our daily lives? It actually goes back to something that George Carlin, the prophet known as George Carlin, said in his special Life is Worth Losing back in 2005. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that and the kids still can't pass the test. You say, ah, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. 
More kids pass, the school looks good, everybody's happy, the IQ of the country slips another two or three points, and pretty soon all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. Education. Politicians know that word, they use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things, the flag, the Bible, and children. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. My absolute favorite comedian. He is responsible for a lot of my thought processes um, that I deal with today, that I you know, that I still carry today. I don't like playing the clips that long. I like to stay in control of this episode, but that is one of my favorite clips that I've ever listened to, that I've ever been privy to watch live. I'm surprised it was on cable TV back in the day. Um, but I want you guys to think about it and, and really think about it. Going back to the First Amendment, just to wrap it up really quick. If the government ever comes out to me on public property and tries to arrest me for assembling and saying cheese doodles for president, which by the way is my weekly routine, then we have a first amendment violation. Nothing before.
All right. So I, I wanted to get that out there. It's been something that's been bothering me. I've got a lot of things on my head recently, but I wanted to wrap that up. So as we, we're going to actually transition talking about the Constitution. Uh, we went to learn about free speech, and now we're going to go learn about search and seizure. So strap in, strap on, and here we go. We're going to have a listen with the interdiction mastermind himself, the Red Ninja, Sergeant Kenny Williams. So after the police academy, uh, I come back to Hobart, and we don't necessarily have a uh, interdiction team. So I just go back to answering patrol or going back to patrol, just answering calls for service and doing my own thing. We get a complaint about a pig in a, in a gas station parking lot, and we get there, and it's like this little like ten pound baby pig. I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? I didn't know this, so I, I go down to try to catch it, and it runs away from me. I finally am able to catch up to it and catch it. And as I grab it, pigs make this like high pitched yelping noise, like almost like a screeching noise. And it freaked me the fuck out. So like I let it go. And then it was another like 30 minutes where I'm just running around trying to chase this pig in a gas station parking lot. <laughs> if there was a video of it, it'd be pretty entertaining. Um, but my partner that was with me that day, we got a picture of me holding a pig basically on a dog leash. So I, uh, that's going to be forever in my law enforcement photo album. It's kind of entertaining. It's a great story. That's awesome. I actually, I met a like full grown pot belly pig on my patrol and I work in a city, so you don't see that all the time. And I was, I was checking a park and in the parking lot next to the park, there's just this giant pig. I'm like, what, what is it? So I walk up and I'm like, um, what's with the pig? And the guy's like, yeah, you know, it was when teacup pigs were a thing and we bought one and it turns out it wasn't a teacup pig, but we kind of got attached to it anyway. So this is, you know, Harvey or whatever his name was. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I took a picture or I took a bunch of pictures. I pet the thing. Like I didn't know pigs have like hair and yeah. And then someone took a picture of the pig petting the pig, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, that's another reason why I love that picture. Just pig, uh, I guess or whatever. Right. Right. It's, it's, you know, like we can say it. It's okay. (laughs) if We say it. We're just, we're just embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to thank uh, thank you for joining me and welcome Sergeant Kenny Williams to the 108 podcast. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How about you, man? Oh, not too bad. I uh, I worked night shift last night, which, you know, I've worked I work to midnight usually. Sometimes I'll stay over to like two, three o'clock in the morning, but I worked to five. I was covering a patrol shift and I haven't done that in over a year. And I didn't think it'd be so difficult, but I was kind of feeling it this morning. But uh, I'm doing good now. Um so let's go ahead and start with uh, a lot of people already know who you are through street cop training. But for those of you that don't, let's go ahead and we'll start with the basic introduction and uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Kenny Williams. I work for a department in Indiana. I'm about 35 minutes outside of Chicago. I've been on the job for 14 years, I think. 
I think I just started my 14th year, um, 13 or 14 years. Uh, I've been an instructor with Street Cop since 2017, I believe. Um, my first five years, uh, I worked nothing but shift work and patrol. Uh, about five years on the job, I got assigned to a part-time interdiction team with the state police. And uh, from there, you know, 2016, uh, based on some luck, the administration put us on the highway full-time. I got a, so I was by myself for the first year, maybe six months, and then I got a, a full-time partner in 2017. So now I do that pretty much full-time, uh, two months out of the year, December and January, uh, me and my partner will come back to patrol to help patrol out. And then come February, go back to the highway and we do that. Very cool. So that is your assignment. Just, just sit in the highway. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to get to that. That's going to be the meat and potatoes of the interview and the conversation, but we're going to, we're going to dial it all the way back to how your career started. Um, so you said you did shift work in the beginning. Um, but I, I thought that you probably rolled out of the Academy doing interdiction work. So what was <laughs> so what were the first five years of the police department like? What, what, you know, what were some things that you liked, didn't like? Like how, how did the beginning shape your future? Uh, so I, I guess I went to college for four years. And then in Indiana, you get to apply uh, to be a cop when you're 20 years old. But you have to turn 21 by the time you finish the academy. So I started applying at 20. And I probably applied at I don't know, 50 different departments, like all over the state. I'm not joking. Like every department, every weekend I was going to apply at departments. So I did that for a long time. And then in two, when I was 25, I finally got hired by uh, the department that I work with now. Go to the police academy, come back. I had, a, I had two great FTOs. I know a lot of people talk about how FTOs are, are overall not, not the best, but I had some of the best. They like really shaped, um, shaped me to become a, a proactive cop. Like not necessarily interdiction based, but similar. Like um, one of my FTOs loved just finding like user dope. And that's what we would do. We literally just go out there and look for people that were users. And, and that piqued my interest because the city that I work for, we don't have a huge call volume. And uh, so you can literally, and they don't necessarily like require, I mean, they encourage proactivity, but if you don't do anything and you just want to answer your calls, they're completely content with that. Mm -hmm. So like, I was like, man, I cannot just sit in this fucking car eight hours a day. So having that FTO that would, I like, kind of opened the door to leading me to be proactive. Uh, it, it made my career. Like I, I, I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that, that in the beginning, at least an FTO and, and as you're starting to get your bearings, it's very, I want to say frowned upon, but I know from personal experience, I didn't have, FTOs that were very proactive. I remember asking one of my FTOs like, all right, so I know how to stop people. Like I know good laws to stop people, but how do I go further? I kept, I remember specifically asking him, how do I get in people's pockets? And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, we don't really do that. We'll just address it and we'll go on. I'm like, that's not what I want to do. You know, I, I want to get in people's pockets and, and whatever. So it's really good that you had that experience. Yeah. I mean, I see other FTOs and guys come in or cops come in and they're all, you know, wanting to do things. And then it seems like some FTOs almost kill that drive and that desire to be proactive. And it's hard to, once it's gone, it's hard to get guys to go back to what that, you know, cops don't go, right. cops don't want to be cops to become like 
answer calls or run takers or whatever it is. They don't want to sit there and just listen to the radio and be like, oh, there's another one. Let me go to that. Like cops want to go out there to proactively find bad guys in my mind. Like that's what I think most cops, when they sign up to be a cop, that's what they envision. And then something changes and it goes away in time, which is frustrating. Because I think we all, if you go back to the beginning, is we all want to do that that fun stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, exactly. We all kind of go into this uh, wanting to catch the bad guy. Like you said, no one wants to be a report taker. Um, that's not what you signed up for. If you wanted to do that, you'd work for an insurance company or something. You'd make more money, you know, but I think what happens is like you said, you get demoralized. Either you, you get that lazy gene from an FTO or, or maybe a supervisor that just crushes proactivity or something might happen. Like you, do proactive work and then something happens. You step on toes somewhere or another, you get jammed up and you're like, well, why do I want to keep busting my ass if I'm only going to get paper for it or, or something like that's, that was where I was going. I was doing proactive stuff and I was only getting negative uh, reinforcement. And I was like, well, why, why am I going to, you know, risk getting in further trouble if, you know, I have nothing, nothing good is coming out of it for me except for a little self gratification. So I tried one shift. I was so like just crusty and salty. I just sat in a parking lot. And I was like, nope, these guys just, you know, they, they don't want to whatever. I sat in a parking lot for like an hour and I'm like, this is stupid. And then I went back out to, to do whatever I wanted to do. But, um, so, but so from that beginning, so you, you were doing proactive work, you were making the stops, uh, starting at the, the beginning um what got you started doing interdiction work so in the academy i had a three-hour block with uh, uh our county had an interdiction team and, and they taught like a three-hour block and you know how like there's things in the academy that people gravitate gravitate to that they really like or they really mm-hmm. take this and like literally that three-hour block i'm like man that would be so cool and that three-hour block completely got me hooked onto wanting to do interdiction work how did you transition from the road to interdiction? So there's a there's a, a federal initiative um, by me. It's all over the country, but we have. One, I was lucky enough to find one based on the feds classification of it's a high drug trafficking area. So okay. we have some federal initiatives that based on for the proximity to Chicago. So we there was this interdiction thing uh, through the state police. And it was supposed to be a multi-agency thing. And like, I'm like, well, the state police was just having it for themselves. So we had a guy that was in a, a task force as a task force officer. And I just kept bothering him basically mm-hmm. until finally he was like, like he did some legwork for me and was able to get them to open it up to make it a multi-agency thing. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Very cool. So, so from that day to now, how long have you been doing straight interdiction work? So 2012 to 2016, it was a part-time. I would get about 30 hours a month. From okay. 2016 till now, I get that. I still get that 30 hours a month in overtime, but and then 10 months out of the year, that's my sole job. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And um, so just to clarify, because I, maybe I got confused in the beginning, you, it's your full-time job, but is that now still with the task force or is that strictly through your department? No, my department created two spots based on the performance in that task force. So now we have two guys at work 10 months out of the year interdiction and we still, gotcha. get, we still get overtime money through the task force. We're still part of that task force. We just get to do it as our actual job plus that the time that they give us. That's not a bad gig at all. No. 
<laughs> so if uh, if someone's listening, you know they're obviously they're tuning in because you know you're the interdiction mastermind. You're the you're the guy. Um, so if someone wants to start dabbling in interdiction work, what would you say would be the first couple steps that they need to take to go from, you know, maybe, maybe they're good proactive cops on the street. So what would you say for them to take that step? If there's an interdiction unit near you, I would suggest to go ride with those guys if they're successful and they're doing things the right way. I really okay. think that just having, because then if you have that relationship with them and you have questions, it's like real time question answers that you can get answers and especially when it comes to specific areas and what prosecutors want and state laws and things like that having that 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 uh cushion to fall back on or whatever you know we were like oh i think this is what i'm supposed to be doing but then you could always ask that person create that good relationship with them gotcha yeah so but let's say there isn't one you just want to get started in interdiction work you want to um you know, just kind of feel for it for yourself. Is there something you would suggest to people working the road, like things that they can start practicing, doing to, to get started? Um, Reaction-based stops will translate from patrol to the highway. So if you're out there and you're stopping cars and you're just stopping without like some, you're just stopping cars and hoping that you're going to get lucky. There's a, there's a, there's a method to interdiction where it's a reaction-based. So you're watching vehicles as they approach you or, as they pass you or whatever, and you're looking for some type of reaction to your presence that would pique your interest. And I think those that will that will translate from general patrol to the highway. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is it possible to do interdiction work on city streets? 100%. Okay. So what would you say to someone who says, you know, I live in XYZ city or county or whatever. Uh, drug trafficking doesn't happen here. So, you know, what would you say to someone that's saying something like that? There's drugs everywhere and it's, they're being moved 24 seven. Yeah. So there's no such thing as drugs don't pass through here. Cause right. obviously you could be in somewhere super rural. There's drugs. You could be somewhere super busy. There's obviously drugs. You just need to accept it and know what to look for. Yeah. When you, when you started interdiction work to now, um, what has been the difference between um, how many cars you would stop between catches? So like, you know, we always see all your, your good catches. Is it literally every single car you stop now? It's, it's a good load or, or no. has it always been that way or no, it, no. And, and to start to learn like just human behavior, when I first started in addiction, I was stopping a lot more cars because I just, I wanted to learn it. And, and th I went to some classes and they would say certain things, but it necessarily wouldn't translate to where I was working. So when I was up there working, I would put in a lot of time where I would just stop cars and then when I figured out that they weren't being deceptive about their travel plans or whatever, then I would kind of ask them like, well, why did you do this or that? And, and that built a foundation of what normal was in my area. So now I can understand what abnormal is. So starting off, you're going to stop a lot more cars just to understand human behavior. And then as time goes on, you should progress where it's less and less and less. When you are talking to people, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give everything away. So, you know, we can uh, kind of, tailor the conversation to what you want to talk about. But um, when you're talking to people, what are some things that you look for for deception? So lots of times people that are traveling either to commit crime or in the, they're committing crime actively, you know, or they just committed crime, they're going to be deceptive because they don't want to necessarily tell you about their travel plans because 
if they place themselves in a, in a situation where maybe a crime had just occurred, and I'm not even talking about just narcotics, but maybe you just had a robbery three cities over, they're not going to say, I just left that city. And then you catch mm-hmm. them based on some, you know, their driving behavior. They're not going to be like, oh, I was just over there. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, right. And that that comes across the board. They're going to be deceptive about where they're coming from, where they're going, purpose of their trip, those types of things that when I'm talking to people during the traffic stop that, that will raise red flags to me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's good things to be um, on the lookout for. So um, what do you, what would you say then is big picture, some of the most valuable skills that you need to have to be a successful, not only interdiction officer, but a successful police officer? Communication. I think it's the, I think it's the uh, foundational piece that most, um, that we just don't, we don't teach new cops how to communicate. We teach like, we're so under the robotic and paramilitary stuff a lot of times that, you know, you kind of lose just the normal communication like lifestyle, like, you know, like I yeah. talk to the people that I stop, like respectful and, and I'm not this robotic cop. I, you know, I'm, I'm empathetic and I'm understanding and, and all these other things that I would view with anyone else. It's just, just because they maybe broke a traffic law doesn't, you know, you don't have to, I don't know. I try to cr- create a relationship almost as like a friendship and not like an authoritarian way, because I think that helps us build a rapport. And even if they're, all they did was commit like yeah, I don't know, they have an expired plate or something and, and you're empathetic and understanding that goes a lot further than, you know, you being a jerk and, and lecturing them there. I mean, these people are adults, they understand. And sometimes things just happen. Then we have to understand and be more empathetic to people, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I think the art of communication is just, it's, it's lost. And I think, you know, obviously social media and things for up and coming and, and younger police officers is hindering that. You know, I can't count how many times a new guy or a newer guy can't talk to people. They just start at 100 and they're just yelling at people. I'm like, what are you doing? And, and I, I think that goes across the board with society in general. I think that overall mm-hmm. we are getting further and further away from communicating to people. Um, just at, I mean, think about, I don't know, like we, we text, um, you know, we like send pictures and all those other things. We just don't communicate face-to-face or even on the phone very often it's all i don't know what's easiest and most convenient and we're not talking to each other right exactly so you know we're we're missing that and i think also you know going to just detecting deception in general and you know you can see this on youtube on there's different tv shows and books about it just you know uh facial reactions to questions and and, uh, and ticks and, and things like that. Uh, what was it called? Micro expressions? Yep. You know, we, that's something that we miss in text. That's something that we miss in, you know, in inflection and things like that. But then when you're trying to tell if someone's lying to you, but you're so used to short clipped conversations because you can't communicate to someone, like you're just missing this whole other world of communications, the, the nonverbal clues and, and all these other things. And I, I feel like this text message uh, part of society, which I mean, you know, I'm part of it too. Um, if you don't focus on the people you're talking to, you're going to just miss so much other information besides what they're saying. Yep. I completely agree there. And I don't know. I, I, I look back and I spent four and a half years in college and I would have rather just spent four and a half years learning how to talk to people. I think it would have furthered, I mean, not even law enforcement career, just my, mm-hmm. my, my, livelihood and and even if i didn't get law enforcement i think communication would have went a lot further than class in general yeah 
Yep, I agree. I remember uh, well taking a communication class, and they didn't really teach what what really needed to be taught when you know communicating and learning about people and things like that. But yeah, I think talking to people, and I mean that that's the key. I feel like so many people they want to take all these different courses and everything, but they can't talk to people, you know. And it's right. like that's that's the that's the number one thing that you need to be able to do and, and people just can't do it. So have you always been a good communicator and, and talker to people or did you like kind of refine no, that skill? No, I was, I was very, um, I was very shy and I was very quiet. I was very, um, observant, I would, but I was never like, um, I never had the ability, I, I guess, or I just never used the ability to communicate, uh, the way I do now, like even instructing, like, some of my friends that I haven't seen in a long time and maybe went to high school with, they're like, it's amazing that you can go up there and have the confidence and ability to communicate when, you know, when I haven't seen you in 10 years and you would always be quiet. And, and so it's, it's, it's weird to me. I don't know how that changed. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I could be, I became a bartender in college and I think that brought a lot of it out of me. Like I had to, mm-hmm. in order to make money, I had to talk to people. So I think that kind of helped me out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a Mr. Miyagi wax on wax off kind of thing. You know, you thought you were just, you know, being a bartender to make money and you know, it opened this door for you. Yep. It's kind of like with this podcast, I've noticed a lot, like my interviews on the street have gotten a lot more in depth just because now I'm so used to talking to strangers, asking them all these random questions. And now I can just like roll with it. And it's, you know, it's again, it's like a skill that I didn't even know that I was improving on. And here, here we are. So, going back to to work uh what would for someone who's really like wanting to get serious about this side of the police work whether it's uh interdiction uh just being a better proactive officer and again i don't want to give everything away obviously you have your class and and this is a public podcast i don't want to give too much away but what would you say are some cases in case law that you would recommend people reading and learning to become more effective hmm i like to know i mean i like your traffic law is going to be huge uh wherever state that you're in because understanding the reason that you can stop cars i see a lot of people that are trying to get an interdiction and they'll be like they'll see good reactions but they won't they'll be like oh, i didn't have a reason to stop the car and i'm like man i could only imagine like there's so many laws on the books mm-hmm. to stop cars i think that you would if you knew that a little bit better that i think that there's a possibility that maybe there was something that you could stop a car um i like maryland versus wilson and in, in pennsylvania versus mims um mm-hmm. those are just because in order to be successful in an addiction, you're going to have to separate the occupants. So a lot of times, you know, I'm asking people to step out of the car and, and they'll be like, oh, you know, like the, the, they might be defensive or not understanding. But if I explain to them this case law and I'll be like, you can bring your phone with you. You can, you can Google it, you know, why, you know, while you're standing outside the car. Um, I think being able to cite off case law, not even tell them about it, just be like, this is the case law that says I can do this. That goes a long way. If you just say, because I said so, then you're just becoming right. the argumentative back and forth. And I say, you know, this is why, here's the case law. You can bring your phone with you and go ahead and look it up while, you know, while you're standing outside the car or whatnot. And it usually puts people more at ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, first off, back to communicating, because I said so is the worst <laughs> way yeah, to get people to comply. Yep, 100%. So, you know, and I mean, if you have kids, if you have younger brothers or sisters, like no one responds to because I said so. But not only that, you know, and my, I had an FTO who said, you know, if you can state 
the statue to somebody or if you could, you know, reference something. First off, you it, it builds your credibility like, oh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And also it builds your personal confidence because like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. This is what I'm doing. You know, and it's just again, what we're talking about, it just opens so many more doors to you. The, the more confident and more well versed in your craft you are. Yep, I completely agree, especially when it comes to traffic law, like some of the most common ones that I use to stop cars. Um, I can cite like, so if they're like, oh, I didn't do that. And then I can explain and I talk to them for like a minute and a half or two minutes when I'm standing next to the car on how they committed that infraction. By the time I'm mm -hmm. done talking, either they're just tired of hearing me talk or they're like, well, maybe he kind of knows what he's talking about. Exactly. I've had, I mean, I've seen in plenty of your videos where you're explaining, um, you know, speed or whatever. And it's just, it's great. And I've had it in personal um, reasons. I had a stop once for a suspended license, which led to uh, more and more. And the guy was like, well, you didn't have a reason to run my tag. I'm like, well, actually. And then I go ahead and, and, and tell him more things. And, you know, and I think when they're engaged in political act or political, where'd that come from? <laughs> criminal activity. When they're engaged I guess in they can go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a Freudian slip. I think when they're engaged in criminal activity, they're going to be probably more defensive because they're trying to build their defense before they know what's coming before the inevitable, you know, or, or in some cases they just shut down completely. But um, so again, very good to have that in your back pocket. So you said um, those two cases, are there any other cases that really stand out to you that people should, should uh, look into? Maybe Ren versus us and Rodriguez versus us are some of the good ones for just cops in general. I think um, Can you kind of give them like a, like, Reader's Digest of, about those? Uh, Ren is pretextual stops. We can So we can have a reason that we want to stop a car. Say Joe Smith is leaving a known drug house. We see him leaving, or so we want to stop him, and then he commits you know, a violation or post, but we wanted to stop him pre previously. Ren says that whatever the reason that we want to stop him, as long as we have a legitimate reason to stop him, we can. And then Rodriguez just talks about extending stops to with reasonable suspicion to run a dog okay so all of those are very important you know if you're doing any kind of dope work uh whether it's interdiction level street level investigation dope work uh you you need to have you know good solid foundation of pretextual stops because that's your bread and butter so that's good so we've, we're talking about your interdiction your interdiction video uh videos a lot of success but you also have a four-legged partner who has, uh, I've noticed in the past couple of weeks or so, getting more and more social media notoriety. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, so um, when I, I always like, I was, when I first got hired, I've always wanted to be in the dope game. And we had four dogs uh, with the agency that I work with. And, and I was like, well, if I can't work highway interdiction, maybe the dog will be the way into it. So I applied twice and I didn't get a dog. Um, in 2014, the chief, based on the interdiction work, asked me if I wanted to uh, have a dog. So I got I got Mojo in 2014. Um, he's a Dutch Shepherd. Yeah, he's in more recently with the uh, twisted teeth things. Some people have made some interesting memes, and <laughs> so he's got some notoriety with that stuff. Yeah, I see that. So this is your first dog. My first dog. Yep. Are you planning in the future? You want to stick with canine or or? Are you kind of? I would like to have one. Basically, he's seven now. 
and in Indiana, you cannot collect your pension unless you have 20 years on. So okay. based on the numbers, yes, I would like to have at least one more dog, depending on how long, depending on how long I stay here. But yes, I would like to have at least one more dog. Right. And that was going to be my follow up is, is this, this is how you want to, this is what, how you want to go out exactly where you're at right now, or do you have other ambitions or, or Not goals? Not to here. Um, I like, I, I absolutely love my job. I love going to work. I love interdiction work. It makes me excited to go to work. Like I enjoy going to work every single day. I don't know if I would within my department, there's some, you know, we can be TFOs at some other places and stuff. And in the past they've, you know, I've, help them out with maybe watching dope houses and stuff. I can sit in the median on the highway all day and not like be bored or frustrated or anything like that. You put me on a dope house within about 20 minutes. I fucking hate it. Like I cannot (laughs) understand it. Same concept. You know, you're watching a dope house. There should be drugs, but I cannot, it's different. I just cannot handle it. Mm -hmm. So I think this is, yeah, I think this is where I'm at now. If something changes and, three years and, and maybe that motivation or that desire, or, or I want to tone it down a little, I don't know. But right now I don't see that happening. Right, right, right. So you're very happy. So when you are not at work becoming persona non grata to the cartels, um, <laughs> what what do you like to do in your spare time? What is what is Kenny Williams off duty? Um, man, I don't know. I, I work out regularly. That's one of my hobbies. It helps me relieve stress. Um, I like to travel with the wife. Um, uh, we're, we're kind of social. Like we like being around friends a lot. So this past year kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I've been, I'm in Indiana, so we've been pretty good, but still it's just, um, we usually take two or three trips a year. Like we usually go down somewhere in the Gulf every year, um, somewhere warm. And we didn't do that this year. Um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of disappointing, but in general, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Gotcha. So the gym, hanging out, just relaxing. Cool. Has your department had any issues as far as everything going on in the past year with either Corona or the, um, protests and riots? Have you had any negative backlash with any of that? Um, Corona, some, we've had some incidents with that on the department, nothing crazy though. And then, um, we've had, a, I think we've had three protests. Um, one was a little, so we have a, we have a big shopping district in, in my area and uh, being 35 minutes away from Chicago, we had, uh, the first one we had was, um, there, I don't think that the goal was to necessarily be peaceful by any means. They were doing it in a shopping district, but you know, like there's no other reason that you would be there. That's not like, that's not against the, the, the cops or the government. You know, why would you have it in a shopping area? Right. So that one was a little bit, but we had a, a lot of, lot of help um, from local departments and stuff. So that it didn't get too out of hand. I mean, some arrests were made, but nothing crazy. And then the other ones were a little bit smaller and they were um, in like our downtown area. And, but those, th- those protests were pretty respectful. I mean, they, uh, a lot of the people like shook our hand afterwards and thanked us. And um, so it was nice seeing that aspect of it. Like the one by yeah. the mall completely like, was uh, stressful and frustrating. The one more locally, they were more of a, I think more of a local population of people. And, and those were, um, they had a message that they wanted to get across and they also uh, had some respect for us where the ones by the, the, the shopping area were um, not so much, man. Like they, uh, 
yeah, I think they just had ulterior motives, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, we uh we had the same thing here. We had some demonstrations and protests. They did a few walks over, you know, through some city streets and stuff, but it wasn't bad. You know, there were a few agitators amongst the bunch, but for the most part, very respectful. They just, you know, did what they needed to do, did what they wanted to do, and and we just made sure everybody was safe. Um, but yeah, at the end of it, when uh when the demonstration kind of was wrapping up. I know. I think they did it for like a week straight. But when the big ones uh, were wrapping up, they came by and you know, said, thank you for being here. Have a good day. You know, and and that's that's it. You know, it's general and and um, reciprocated respect, and that that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all about it. Like those that are you know respectful, and you have a message to get across. I'm all about it. Like that's that's why we're the police. Like we encourage that. Like, do you want change? And you want to do this? That's fine. Like abide by the laws and, and and i'm okay with that completely i get it but the other one that we had was uh yeah they could care less about anything else besides i think wanting to uh they were making they were chanting some stuff like when it gets dark they're gonna you know bust out windows and stuff so we had yeah. it in that one before the sun went down and, and it was just uh that's when it got a little little dicey but i, I think in in the end game it that one went as as good as it could and the other one was uh yeah it very you know first amendment freedom of speech type stuff that was good right yeah we had a few on social media that said that they were gonna do the same thing in shopping districts um but we were ahead of that we we had our SWAT team staged at those locations we had canines deployed inside the mall like you were not coming um so i mean it worked out and, and thank goodness um didn't oh this is a good question so in the you know in the corona time especially at the peak did that hinder your proactive work at all um no it didn't we changed it up a little bit just you know how you know how we, we conduct our traffic stops i'm not going to go into detail in here but um we we modified that a little bit but that was that was that was it um okay we were maybe um yeah no i don't, I don't think it hindered too much we, we stayed out there and did our thing that's cool i was worried that it, well I, I wasn't worried but i wasn't sure if they would you know, kind of tell you not to make stops because that was what was happening a lot throughout the nation was, hey, no unnecessary contacts, you know, things like that. Yeah, well, we were um, we were cautious, but we still were out there doing our own thing. And, and definitely yeah. during coronavirus, you saw a lot of criminals being out there more often. I felt that mm -hmm. knowing, yeah. that, knowing that that message was being sent to law enforcement, don't do anything proactive, that they were just... Um, taking more chances it seemed like from, a, from, a, right. from my perspective yep i think you're absolutely right and uh you know i think we in law enforcement generally were too open about that fact too we were like oh yeah we're, we're just going to be sitting in this parking lot like <laughs> meanwhile you know there's so many uh burglaries and, and drug deals and things like that going on like uh we probably shouldn't have done that hindsight 2020 but yeah i'm, I'm all about like if you if the administration wants to protect their guys, but to publicize it's probably not the best idea. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully we never have to endure another pandemic. But in the yeah. event that in the event that there is one, we we can take that as a uh, as a learning uh, moment, teachable moment. That's what my FTO always called it. Right. All right, Kenny. We are gonna uh, transition here to signal three in just a minute. But before we do. Um, is there any other topics or things that you wanted to talk about that maybe we didn't get that we, I didn't cover that you just wanted to uh, say to my audience to kind of maybe encourage them to check out 
dope work or narcotic or interdiction work or anything like that? Yeah, if you're, if you're in law enforcement, there's a lot of uh, social media where you got to be vetted in order to be a member. But like street cop training on Facebook is great. Um, you're going to have to show some credentials and provide that you are current law enforcement or retired law enforcement in order to become a member. I think there's like 70, I don't know, 5,000 cops in that group, which is pretty amazing to to see how many cops are actually out there um, interested in that stuff and sharing knowledge and, and just talking. It's 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 a great uh, platform. Street Cop also has a Leo Instagram. They have a public one too, where it's kind of watered down, but anyone can get become a member of it um, and start following them. And then I have my own Instagram. It's Red Ninja 111, and that's more law enforcement based too. But those are all awesome platforms to. Uh, if you wanted to get into interdiction work or start going down that road, that's a good starting point. No, for sure. And, you know, it's it's tough having conversations publicly with you and Dennis and anyone with Street Cop just because of, you know, the, you know, you, you don't want to tell the wrong person about what we're doing. Um, so to do it publicly is kind of tough. So, but if anyone's really interested in what we're talking about, they want to see more street cop training on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere is definitely where to go. This is just us kind of cracking the book open, cracking Pandora's box just a little bit. So that way you can get a glimpse, but to see the real, you know, I was going to say girth, but that's not appropriate. <laughs> the real, the real content is in there. And I really hope everyone kind of dives in further. I know when, when we had Dennis on in the beginning, you know, people just flocked to street cop and hopefully it just keeps going because it's, it's what we need. We need to, you know, we're not, we're not going to get rid of drugs altogether. We're not going to get rid of drug dealers, but if we can continue to hinder their operations, that's, that's really what we're here for. Yeah, I completely, and like with Dennis, Dennis is like a, a, a case law wizard, especially when it comes to like search and seizure stuff. So it's great as a cop to go in there and see all the, what you can and can't do. Um, there's not like, this gray area that law enforcement believes that they operate in. It's either you do it the right way or you do it the wrong way. There's not like, right. oh, maybe I can do this, but I can't. It's like the law is out there and he is mm -hmm. able to teach you what you can and can't do with his law enforcement background to other cops. Like a lot of classes that I've been to before Dennis were more of a, like a, an attorney base that has no, no like cop foundation. So Dennis has both mm -hmm. of those and it's great to see it. Yeah, absolutely. You have the uh, real cop side and then you have the legal side of it. Because usually, like you said, if you take one of these classes, one of those sides is missing. Mm -hmm. You're missing it, but you get both. And that's great. Um, speaking from personal experience, I had a stop earlier in the year or last year now. Um, and we did everything by the numbers as far as getting the dog, the sniff, everything. I, I was very happy with it. Got a good seizure out of it. And then we do follow up on it to find out that the state attorney dropped the case. And I was like, dude, and it was uh, something to do with case law, uh, a random case law that we had no idea about. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it, it was very frustrating. So case law is the nuts and bolts. There is no gray area, especially when you have a prosecutor that may not want to push it too far, but you can't argue the case law. So just kind of hammering that idea. Yeah. And that's, and, after I met Dennis, I knew what I could and couldn't do pretty much from working in addiction, but he opened my mind to so much more. And um, I've, I'm not as good as him, but I, I know I know the case laws that allow me to do what I can and can't do within Indiana and federally. So it, it makes me feel more comfortable and uh, with confidence when I'm 
doing interdiction work in general. All right, so we are gonna let's go to signal three. So we're gonna have the fun question answer. This will be the rapid response. Don't think about it too hard, and we will uh, we'll go through it. All right. Sounds good. All right. If you could identify with any sandwich, what would it be? Just a peanut butter sandwich. Nice. With jelly or no? No jelly. Okay. See, I, I am. The, everyone thinks it looks at me like I got three heads when I say that I don't like jelly. Yeah, just, yeah, just peanut butter. I love peanut butter. Nice. Uh, where is your dream vacation destination? Um, I always want to go to Ireland, um, but one of the best places that I've been to that I love going is Key West. Nice. Okay. Uh, I have, so that's funny because I've been to Ireland and I haven't been to Key West and I live in Florida. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite movie? Mm. The Mule. Okay. What is your go-to off, or sorry, what is your go-to day off alcoholic drink of choice? Captain and Diet. Very nice. Uh, what is your, one of your most embarrassing bonehead rookie moves? I mean, there's so many, but uh, either the pig incident, because uh, when it screamed, I acted like a little girl, like running away from it, because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> That's probably the most comical one. Or I got in a pursuit with a brand new car, I had 500 miles, and I ripped the oil pan off. So those are ones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what's your favorite cop movie? I want to go to something like Bad Boys or just something like that. Yeah, yep. One one that's not too serious. That's yeah, yeah, kind of sure. yeah. Uh, what was your high school mascot? So his name is Johan, and he's a bricklayer. Because we back in the day, Obert used to have a uh, like a they, they had like a brick yard. Like they would make bricks there. So uh-huh. it's the weirdest thing. It's just like this short, stocky white dude that is like all shoulders and chest. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That, that. I definitely was not expecting that. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any, anyone else. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite donut flavor? I don't eat donuts. Really? Yeah, I can't remember the last time I ate a donut. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, what's your favorite police car? The Charger. Okay. Uh, big moment in your life, whether it's uh, you know, like what what would be your walk-on song? your hype song shipping up to boston by dropkick murphy's probably nice yeah that one always gets me hyped um notre dame fan too so kind of... oh okay that'll do it what was your childhood dream job i don't know about my dream, my dream job but when i started college I, I went i started as a like an education was my be my major as a okay teacher. okay and and now you teach so it kind of works yeah it's interesting how that works yeah. Uh, if you weren't a cop, what would you be doing? No, I honestly don't. Um, I probably would, uh, maybe teaching, maybe I'd go back to teaching. I just don't like, I, when I went to school, I just didn't like being in, in, inside all day. So I don't know what I would do. Then. Yeah. Um, what has been your proudest moment in law enforcement? Um, I'm going to go with the day that my brother got hired as a cop. With me. Nice. Is he a younger brother? Younger brother, yeah, and he works at the same department I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if you could share a meal with one person, dead or alive, that you've never met, who would it be and what would you order? Interdiction-based, I'm going to go with Robbie Bishop, and I would order and pay for anything that he wanted. 
Nice. Uh, what's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? Don't do anything that would embarrass your name. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a very good one. I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, if given a do-over, what is something in your life that you would do differently? I would have started teaching sooner than I did. Okay. Very good. Okay. We're thinking late at night, watching TV. What is your favorite late night snack? Spoonfuls of peanut butter. Very nice. Very nice. Going back to the first question with that one. And if you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help you get out? I don't know. Some like badass American soldiers, like, I don't know, like Tim Kennedy or some one of those fucking guys. Okay, perfect. All right, Sergeant Kenny Williams, thank you again for joining us with our interview today. One more time, go ahead and plug any social media that you want people to check out. Check out uh, Street Path Training on several different platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Um, also, my personal Instagram is Red Ninja 111 That's it. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, you have a great day. You too, man. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. And we'll be right back. Hey, man, I love the podcast, and I love the meme page. Uh, currently working in my security guard job, waiting uh, waiting for my application to the police department to go through, but hopefully be joining you guys and putting the badge and putting the uniform on every day just like you. Appreciate everything y'all do. Thank you. All right, I'm back. Uh, special thanks once again to Sergeant Kenny Williams for his time, his knowledge, and his friendship. He, he uh, I, I don't know, I just really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, I talked to him a lot off the air. I actually had to cut out like a good 40-minute part of our conversation because y'all can't be privileged to all that information. Sorry. So now that we've got that conversation out of the way, um, you know, just, again, go check out uh, Sergeant Kenny Williams on his personal Instagram if he will accept you. And, of course, Street Cop Training and Street Cop LEO on Instagram. All the pages you need to be. If you have any questions about street cop training, you can obviously message them directly. Or you have this little guy from Jersey that lives in Florida now that is willing to help you as well. All right, so I have to go back to my initial rant. Um, I know that I'm probably going to get some slack for my opinions, which my opinions are simply what is allowed by the Constitution, right? Like I didn't, I guess you could say is my interpretation of what the Constitution actually says. But I'm not making things, these things up. I'm not throwing a spin on it. That's not my game. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an American. America, America. Fuck yeah. uh, which is how we all should think. Let's stop letting the agenda of these corporations and these pundits divide us into boxes and tell us where we need to be. So 
One last part about this, and then I'm, I, I can't promise I'll stop talking about it in general, but for at least the episode, I'll stop talking about it. And this one has really been heavy on my mind because, you know, I, I'm starting to see the division in not only general population, but now I'm seeing cops start to, like, separate and kind of allow what's happening in the world affect the camaraderie and brotherhood that we all share. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about cancel culture. And listen, I'm not talking about these things because I agree with Twitter banning Donald Trump on Instagram or shadow banning or removing pro-law enforcement pages. I don't, but it's legal. So we know that. We, we've, we've got that part, right? It's very easy for us to let our emotions get the best of us. We can think emotionally instead of logically, but... We really can't. It's counterintuitive. All right, so cancel, uh, cancel culture. Now, I'm not talking about taking down statues, removing items from our history, or banning books. History, no matter how embarrassing or painful, needs to exist, if for not any other reason than to be a lesson to future generations of what not to do. Just like somewhere in my history, there's a video of me dancing in my pajamas singing All American Rejects Dirty Little Secrets to a teddy bear. Thus a lesson to not do that ever again, which is also why I won't do TikTok. But anyway, I'm talking about cancel culture as far as canceling TV shows or uh, going back into someone's body of work and saying that they're racist or homophobic or misogynistic um, because they have a quote-unquote piece of offensive content which was totally acceptable at the time. It frustrates those who are not offended by it. And I agree with that. It should. Um, But there's more. So law enforcement supporters are really good at getting in an echo chamber for their beliefs. But there are so many people out there in our profession and culture that say a celebrity, musician, or even a sports league says, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter or something like that, then we have to write the whole thing off. Like people that won't drink Starbucks because one employee wrote pig on an officer's cup. Remember, there was a worker in, I think it was Chick-fil-A a couple years ago that did something very similar to a cop's food, and cops still go there. Too much. And they eat their overrated fries. Yes, I said it. Okay? But what I'm saying is we, law enforcement, have our own cancel culture. Now, me personally, I can say individually, you know, I don't support people like LeBron James because of the things he says and the actions he does. I don't watch the NFL because I don't enjoy it. Okay? But on the flip side... I go to Starbucks, well, I choose not to go to Starbucks, I go to Dunkin' instead of Starbucks because I like their coffee more, it has nothing to do with their political statement, right? I enjoy listening to punk bands, Red City Radio, I know they were kind of out about the whole Black Lives Matter movement, but that's okay. Uh, I read Ryan Holiday, who's been very vocal about his uh, Black Lives Matter support and, and things like that. And I even watched baseball over the summer, and I had to watch the New York Yankees screw up in the playoffs again. That was unfortunate, but... It has nothing to do with their political agenda, is what I'm saying. I enjoy the product. I enjoy their content. I enjoy their their body of work. It has nothing to do with their political agenda. Now, on the flip side, I'm, I'm being very transparent here. I can choose not to support something like Under Armour, Ben & Jerry's, because they have been so outspoken about defund the police like that that is counterintuitive to me why am i going to spend money at these places that are so open about making me less safe at work you can still enjoy somebody's body of work if they have a different opinion is what i'm saying that's how we learn and grow as people and as a society 
It's also why I encourage anti-police individuals to sit in a cop car and do ride-alongs. Don't be hypocritical and don't be ignorant. Embrace different opinions. Learn. Don't, you don't have to agree with it, but be open. At least hear the conversation. Don't just be closed off and cancel it out. I talked in a previous episode about how we can't allow ourselves to be so insulated by our own opinions, and then we develop this earlier mentioned echo chamber. We just can't. I am just so tired of seeing all of us be so divided. I see, I see it around the clock. I can see it on my Instagram. I'm back on Facebook. I see that all the time. William Randolph Hearst in 1897 said you furnish the pictures i'll furnish the war the major corporations want that they want us divided because it makes you watch their content they want you glued to the screen they want drama because they want your money well they want you to buy from the advertisers who then are going to give their money and guess what we're handing it over to them hand over fist because they are winning the war of misinformation and sensationalism That being said, today is going to be a very specific code four check. Are you being divided? Are you letting these pundits, these corporations, tell you how to think? Are you predisposed to it? Open your ears and shut your mouth. And just maybe we as a society can overcome this bullshit. That's what I have to say. That's it for the show today. Once again, Sergeant Kenny Williams from Street Cop Training. Say it again. Check out Street Cop on all the platforms. And then you got Kenny's personal Instagram. He's also got a Facebook, but he didn't mention it, so I won't mention it. Uh, The music today was Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang with a very special intro done by myself and Dave from Hey My Man Podcast. It was very cool. I look forward to doing more of those in the future. After that, in between uh, segments, we had Ode to My Willpower or Lack Thereof by My Old Band Survey Says. Then we had Shipping Up to Boston by Dropkick Murphys. And finally, we're about to end with Be More Kind by Frank Turner. I really want you to take a minute and listen to that song. I know a lot of you guys kind of turn it off when the last song comes on, which is fine. That one, listen to for a minute. All right. So check us out next week where we will have a 10-8 first. We are going overseas and we're going to talk with the nutritionist Nick Wall. I've worked with him three, four months now, and we are going to debunk some nutrition myths, and we're going to talk about easy nutrition ideas for first responders and just people in general. It's going to be great. He's a great guy to talk to, and if you're a fan of accents like me, then you know you don't even have to take in his content. Just listen to what he's saying because he's he has a great wealth of knowledge when it comes to nutrition and fitness, and you're going to enjoy it. And a lot of you guys, let's be honest, you need to hear what he's going to say. So it'll be good. That's all I got for you today. Please rate, review, subscribe, share whatever, if you like the show. And if you don't like what I said this week and my listenership drops, that's unfortunate. But listen, we can't be in our boxes anymore. I'm sorry. I'm tired of seeing people fight. I'm tired of, like I said, the people that want us to be divided are getting exactly what they want. And I'm tired of it. So I'm taking this very small platform I have and giving you my two cents. All right. I'm done, I swear. Please check out the memes on Instagram at 108 underscore memes. And most importantly, guys, take care of each other. Be safe. 108 out. History's been leaning on me lately. I can feel the future breathing down my neck. And all the things I thought were true when I was young and you were too turned out to be broken 
And I don't know what comes next In a world that has decided that it's going to lose its mind Be more kind, my friends Try to be more kind You should know 